0: And we are back with episode 155 with Virginia Rosenberg, someone who I have been absolutely crazy about, adoring all of the work that she's putting out into the world, because everything she does is with such intention. It feels very different, I would say, from a lot of the people out there doing some spiritual online business healing work because hers is really full of authenticity. Her, Virginia, and a future guest that I'm going to be having on here in the next couple weeks, Christian Sinclair, both of them have been wonderful leaders in this space. And what Virginia is really known for is her astrology, her intuitive astrology readings. So today's episode is going to be really fun, really juicy. We're going to be talking about astrology, my natal chart, and Qigong, and so much more. So this is a different episode than what we've been doing recently around a lot of relationship work. So get excited. Virginia Rosenberg is an intuitive astrologer and sacred movement artist whose work spans the globe. Extensive inner and outer travels inform her perspective. Virginia's main interest is natural healing of self and society. Her formal educational background is in a post-colonial and women gender studies. A lifelong devotee of of movement alchemies, dance, yoga, and Taoist internal martial arts, she teaches workshops and retreats for healing, self-remembrance, community connection and so much more visit her website and read monthly astrological forecasts at virginiarosenberg.com That bio is a mouthful. I loved it though. All right. Review of the week comes from Shelby 722. She says the inspiration with five stars. Maddie, thank you so much for the work that you do. I love your confidence and your ability to inspire and encourage others to believe in themselves and love everything about themselves, even the flawed parts. I love how open you are about your beliefs and how authentic you are with them. Please keep it real. I will never stop listening. Thank you, Shelby. You are amazing. Thank you so much for listening and your kind, sweet, generous words. Thank you. Our show sponsor today goes to Plate Joy. I've mentioned Plate Joy before. I hope you guys are trying them out and loving them. Plate Joy is a customizable meal plan for the week that you can create so that you know exactly what you're going to get when you're going to the grocery store and exactly what you want to eat for the week. This is a very simplified meal plan or it can be complex if you want to have lots and lots and lots of meals. But I love it because I can get in a habit of eating the same exact thing every single day for like almost every meal because I just like routine. I love to eat new foods, but a lot of the times I eat new foods whenever I go out to eat and whenever I'm home, I get into a rut. So I'm really grateful to Plate Joy because they were able to create customizable meal plans based on what I already like to eat. So I really love, um, let's say I really love turkey and I really love chicken and I really love bison and I really love rice and avocado and whatever else there is that I really love to eat. I can put those in and it'll come up with new meals with those ingredients. So I can continue to eat the things I really like, but in new ways. So I can eat things in a casserole or a salad or a bowl. It's great. I love it. So if you want to check it out, platejoy.com. You can get 10 days of meal plans for free. Also, if you want to have a membership where you can create a new meal plan all the time, enter the code Maddie, which is capitalized M-A-D-D-Y, to save $10. It's awesome. Check it out. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear about it. Last but not least, well, two more things. First of all, I've been asked a few times, hey, Maddie, where can I find the old podcast episodes? So if you want to listen to old episodes, they are still available for you to listen to them on my website, maddiemoon.com slash podcasts, and you can go all the way back to episode number one. People don't realize that because iTunes only shows the last 50 episodes because that's all I can hold And because there's so many podcasts out there, it can't hold all of all of them. So if you want to go back into the archives and listen to all the episodes that aren't currently showing, which is like, I guess, episodes one to 100 around right now, since this is 155, then you can go do that by just going to my website and you can listen to all of them. And I highly recommend it because those first 100 episodes have quite a lot of incredible, juicy, glorious, insightful Nuggets in there. So go back and listen to those. And if you missed last week's episode, just a reminder, guys, the Costa Rica trip that I was going to be putting on with Journey in August has now changed to Mexico City, which is fantastic because this is actually their favorite journey to take. They've been doing this one several times with the going to the um, historical spots of the Mayan gods and then going to the schools and help rebuilding and refurbishing their gardens and painting murals. And it's just a wonderful trip to be had with doing community service, giving back to the kids, playing with kids, playing games and then going into the jungle to have an incredible experience with chakra therapy, healing pools and meditation and yoga. It's just going to be such an incredible Journey. So, if you would like to come, go listen to. You can e- either listen to the episode that I did with Taylor from last week, or you can go straight to the website. Just go to um, mattymoon.com/events, and you'll see a link to that experience on there. It's it's listed right there. And another perk for Mexico City versus Costa Rica is that flights are a lot cheaper, especially if you're booking them right now. So go ahead and get in on it early. The price raises. Um, what Today, this podcast is releasing on the 31st. Okay, May 31st. So the price will be raising June 4th for the journey. So if you want to get in, all you need to do is put down a deposit. And I highly recommend you do that soon. I just got my flights. It's all booked. It's all good to go. I'm so excited. Mexico City, here we come. I would love to have you there. That is all all that i have to share today i think it's time we go learn about astrology and qigong and natal charts let's head on over
1: you are now entering the mind body musings podcast altering discussions on freedom vulnerability abundance and so much more for more insight grab your free gift on MattyMoon.com and uncover your own once in a lifetime greatness within if you have kind words to say feel free to leave a review on the show in itunes or send your favorite episode to a friend we look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways and now without further ado here's your host maddie moon
0: Okay, and we're back for another episode of the Mind, Body, Musings podcast, and I'm here with the beautiful Miss Virginia Rosenberg, who I have been in contact with for quite a while now. We've been trying to plan making this beautiful recording happen whenever we talk about astrology and birth charts and signs and all of that juicy stuff that I have been so into recently. I shared a little bit of virginia's work on my instagram in case y'all following me there and so you've seen that i am a huge fan of her monthly forecasts that she does which i can't wait to ask her all about but before i just go ahead and completely share everything that i'm obsessed about with virginia let me just introduce her so virginia welcome to the podcast thank you so much your work is awesome and what i love so much about what you do is how Intentional, you are with it. Like, you are giving so much value to the world you're just, you're doing so much research and you're taking out a lot of the guesswork from astrology that for people like me can be really, it can be very overwhelming, especially when you have no idea where to start or what is even happening. And you are just so, you're such a smart person. You're so smart. So thank you. It's just amazing to me.
2: (laughs) I really appreciate that feedback. Thank you. And yeah, I find that astrology can often be pretty vague and kind of amorphous and appeal to certain types of people but not necessarily to the masses. And I'm really interested in reaching more people and reviving astrology as an ancient language art and tool for healthy navigation through life and through evolution and bringing that to all people, not just certain types of people. And and that has to do with bringing it down to earth and bringing it into an articulation that can reach uh, minds, hearts, whole being.
0: I love this. I love this so much. And it shows, because you took someone like me, who is very new, into this world. And it made it so easy and so simple for me to understand. And exciting, fun. I love it. So I want to ask you beautiful questions around astrology. (laughs) Lovely stuff coming there. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about your background. Who are you? How did you get to where you are today? How did astrology become a big part of your life as well as all the other things you do? Because I know you do many other things with movement and just feminine embodiment. So what got you here?
2: Ah, it's such a long story. But uh, the short version is that this is always been who I am. So since I was little, since I was a child, I was writing poetry about the sky. And since I could read, I was researching Eastern philosophy and different modes of thought. So this is just always who I have been at the heart of myself. Um, so not much has changed in that regard. And I was also raised a dancer and with a passion for self-expression in theater, with a passion for self-expression through the body. So those are pieces that remain in my life. So my official title that I go by is I'm an intuitive astrologer and movement artist. So um, I combine these different tools that I've come across over the years, such as embodiment and such as astrology, which while I was interested in it from a young age, I came back to it through a relationship that I had right around when I turned age 20 with a person who taught me how to feel a chart. So rather than um, taking astrology In through the intellectual mind of memorizing a bunch of facts of, this is what the sun means, and this is what Mercury means, and this is what Aries means. The astrologer friend that I was working with at the time kind of put all that stuff aside and asked me to just look at a picture of a chart, which is the picture of the whole sky at the moment of someone's birth or the moment of an important event, and to just feel that first without necessarily logically or intellectually knowing what any of the little symbols meant. So that was a big part of my introduction into astrology, which then became kind of an obsession and felt like a language that I was remembering that I already knew. So for me it was less of I got inspired and really wanted to learn as much as I could about astrology and it was more of an uncovering of who I've always been and who I am at my essence um, that has taken me down this path.
0: Oh, that's so gorgeous. I love hearing this. Do you think that this ability to look at a chart and feel it, is that something that could ever be learned or is that really something that was just implanted in you and through birth and that's just a very special gift that you're given and maybe a few other people, but it's not necessarily something that can be learned
2: I feel it can absolutely be learned, and it's really just a matter of honing intuition and honing the ability to rest into the right brain, which is the creative part of the mind. Um, So there's always symbols that we're working with and that we're walking with throughout our lives. Everything could be looked at as a symbol, you know, the food that we eat, the colors that we're drawn to. And uh, so for me, looking at a chart through the lens of feeling it is really just an intuitive practice that I think some people are more geared towards naturally. Like I've always been intuitive and sort of sensitive to um, the ethereal and the subtle just because that's my nature. But I think everybody has those capacities and those skills. And it's just a matter of opening up to your version of how that works and what that is.
0: I love this conversation because one of the things that I talk about a lot on this show is harmonizing the feminine and the masculine. And someone who I have been most of my life, it's pretty opposite of you, where I have been super, for the majority of my life, really, really, really into, I guess you could say the left brain, um, the left side of the brain, but more of my masculine of the structure, the logic, and the perfectionism, and the go, 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 and the drive. And not tapping into that creativity. So over the course of the past year, or actually I would probably say two years, I have really leaned into that in a loving and Mm -hmm. nurturing way. And what's been fun is that as I've done that, so have the listeners of this show, a lot of people have like seen, oh my gosh, I'm also very perfectionist driven. And there's a lot of play, I would say naturally, I'd be like, there's a lot of work that can be done, but there's a lot of play that can be done to ease more into that side of the brain and the, and the intuition. Because I know people listening to this are probably thinking the same thing. I'm thinking like, how do you learn how to do this? And like, (laughs) what are the steps? But it's really just, how can you feel it? How can you just let go of this Boundary and this idea that there needs to be a checklist whenever you're going down to something new in your life and instead say, forget the checklist, forget the bullet points, forget the boundaries of the right way to do it, or the wrong way to do it, and instead just feel it. Like, what do you feel? It's a scary concept because there are no, when you just say, I'm going to feel this, all of the rules and regulations and boundaries that give people that safe feeling of structure, they're gone. They're taken away. And all you're there left with is creative expression and the feminine and embodiment and gray instead of black and white. And I love this space. And that's why I think what you do in this world is so juicy because it is something that this hyper-masculine world might struggle a little bit, but you are born with this. And I'm sure there have been times in your life also where you have felt more towards the, the driven, disciplined side and you've had to tap into your feminine, or maybe not. Maybe, maybe that, that's never really been something that you've struggled with.
2: No, absolutely. I'd love to voice a little bit about that because I have always been intuitive. That's part of my nature. But at the same time, I think that a lot of us are really interfacing with this more linear, more masculine, dominated, um realm of society that's been constructed for us and that we've been born into and that we're working with and for me I I definitely used to be a lot more masculine and and much more of a tomboy <laughs> than I am now I never really considered myself to be very feminine and and um I always was involved in a lot of work a lot of projects constantly on the go constantly doing I grew up a dancer like I said so that's very much like you have classes all the time, you have performances all the time, there is that perfectionist lens on things. And I found that um I reached a point with my physical health where I needed to cultivate even more of the feminine and even more of the intuitive in order to come to a place of balance within myself. Like. One of the things that I do is I teach Qigong and I'm an internal martial artist. So one of my personal practices is just Taoist inner alchemy and I had a realization one day that all of the photographs and images and art in the studio that I train in were of men except for one. And the one that wasn't of a masculine figure was of a woman who had was the former wife of my teacher. So that was her role, and um it just struck me like, "Oh wow, this isn't balanced for me with the masculine and feminine and as a woman who was experiencing issues with my body um, health issues that were pushing me to explore something new in a different direction. I had to circle into more feminine modes of alchemy and intuitive development in order to really find a balance between those elements of self. Cause I do think that for a lot of us in this, in this dominant operable society, the masculine, the linear, the perfectionist, that structure that you mentioned is really emphasized.
0: Oh yes. You just described that so perfectly. Um, can you explain what Qigong is and what that has done for, well, what that generally does for people? What does it help with?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, Qigong is really a simple term for energy work. So qi being life force energy and Gong being something that you do prolongedly over time with a sense of effort that over time it produces a result. So it's also just known as energy cultivation. And it's this theory that we all have energy, right? We all are connected to energy. We have energy within us, and that's what makes us vital. That's what brings us alive. Like without this energy, we just wouldn't do much <laughs> and we maybe wouldn't exist. So as each of us has a storehouse of natural energy within, there are techniques in different lineages and in different wisdom schools and different traditions of how to harness that energy and how to engage with it in such a way that it can heal you and purify you. So for me, like my personal experience with Qigong after I practiced Qigong regularly for about seven months, I used to have a lot of food sensitivities and allergies and skin problems. 85% of my system, my uh, symptoms rather, disappeared after seven months of consistent Qigong practice. And what I found was that when I took the time to just be still, be meditative, and be present with the energy within my own self, as well as without, like from the earth, from the sky, from everywhere around us, there's constantly this beautiful well of energy around us. When I took the time to be present and become conscious of that, it was like food for me. So it it was healing. It healed me. And it also allowed me to start to be able to sense and perceive the subtle more clearly, and more directly. So it healed me, it helped to open my intuition, and it also strengthened and fortified my my physical body and other parts of my body. It's like my emotional body became a lot more balanced and regulated. I was finding I wasn't having the same mood swings as before. Um, so things like that. Qigong can do so much for us. Um, it can help us to to become more of who we really are and the best versions of who we really are simply by giving us the time and space to drop into nature and drop into meditation and drop into this nourishing energy that is at our disposal every moment of every day.
0: So, for people who have no idea what Qigong looks like, it mm-hmm. kind of looks like, um, I, th- I think this is correct. It's like Tai Chi, it looks like that, yeah? Or is there a better example of what it looks like?
2: It definitely can look like Tai Chi. Um, Qigong, it, it has a lot of different iterations. So there's numerous ways that it can present, but it is pretty characterized generally by slow or subtle, repetitive movement. Sometimes there's breath that's linked with that. In what I practice, the breath is just natural, so you don't have a specific breath pattern. But, yeah, it's like slow movement linking your body, mind, breath, awareness with the present moment.
0: I'm currently reading a book about it, which is why I thought it was so cool. that It's crazy how when you get into something and you like something, you start seeing it everywhere. And that's been this for me. And when I found out that you um, teach classes with this, because I know you're coming to Boulder and I'm going to hopefully get you to do some Qigong so it would be so cool. But um, yeah, so I'm reading this book on this. And one of the things it said in there that kind of gave me a, a sense of relief is that you don't necessarily have to believe in it to work for it to work. Mm -hmm. There's not all this pressure to like clear your mind, make sure that you're believing in its power and like only focusing on creating this particular type of energy as you do it. And instead it was saying, don't worry about that. Just do it. Just do it. And then you'll see the results, but do it consistently. I thought that was very nice to read. Do you agree with that as well?
2: I absolutely agree with that. And I love what you said about doing it consistently because that really is the key is to have a devotion to a Qigong practice. And my favorite feature of Qigong that I found that was different from yoga was in yoga, there was a lot of emphasis that I was experiencing in my classes around like your intention and bringing in the light or bringing in certain types of energy. And when I practice Qigong with my lineage and my teacher, it's more of you just relax. Mm. (laughs) You relax your mind. You relax your body. You relax everything so that there's no fabrication. There's no mental story and just relaxing and allowing is what is kind of the juice for the natural energy to come in and do its thing without interference. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Right. And I think for, for people who really want to do something the fullest, and get the most benefits out of it and really feel all of the greatness and juiciness of something like there's a lot of pressure to set the right intention and have the right thoughts and keep your mind clear or keep your mind on one track and I've noticed just from doing it for I guess I've been doing it two weeks now that I go into a zone without even trying I just get started and it's so easy for me to tap into what my body's doing in a loving and natural way. And I'm not obsessing over like keeping my mind on this one intention or staying in a place of abundance and gratitude. It's just like moving the body and moving, moving your body and your mind together. And it's just, it's so simple and it's really quite powerful, especially when you're done. You feel so, I feel so relieved. I feel so calm. Whatever was a big deal 20 minutes earlier, it's not a big deal anymore. And that's, that's what's really keeping me coming back to continue practicing it.
2: Absolutely. It's so nutritive and it's a great reset. And I love what you're saying because it reminds me of, you know, the best times that I've had, whether it's in a movement meditation like Qigong or whether it's in a reading is when I'm in that in between space, kind of the space between the lines, the space between the distinctions and separations. It's when I'm in that other space where it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily have a separate identity for myself. I'm just merged with what is. That's when I feel this immense healing power and potential. And it doesn't come from a thinking place. It comes from a space of of presence and willingness to just be open to that.
0: Do you have a resource you would recommend for people who wanted to get started doing this? Or maybe a particular Qigong practice, like a... I don't know what you call them, like um, the name of a particular Qigong that you would say, this one is great for beginners.
2: That is an interesting question because there's so many different varieties and types and my entrance into Qigong was very organic where I literally was just working at a restaurant at the time and my my master that I work with now and I've been with for the past seven some years He came in and um, was a customer and just invited me to train with him and it, so everything sort of aligned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So one thing is if you, if you have a desire to experience Qigong or experience inner alchemy to make that a prayer and make that an invitation and then just be open to see what shows up because I did make a statement before I met this person that I was calling it a, a teacher, I was calling my teacher into my life. So that is I think a great place to start and if that doesn't feel structured enough, <laughs> then then you can definitely, um, go online. I'm sure there's tons of videos. I plan to be making a video for beginners and, and a three-part course upcoming, which should be released later this year. But there's lots of videos online and there's different ways to spell Qigong. So you can spell it Q-I space G-O-N-G, which is how I like to spell it. But there's other ways because it's a, just the Chinese English interpretation. Um, And there's a million and one different varieties of Qigong, and that's probably an understatement. So I'd say just whatever draws you, whatever you feel an intuitive pull and a connection towards, that's the one for you. I don't think there's any that are better or worse for beginners. Um, One thing I love about Qigong is that it's accessible and approachable across the board. It just takes a level of openness.
0: I love that. It's a great answer. Set the intention. Put it out there. It'll probably most likely come back to you, especially if it's meant to be and it's something that you're going to enjoy. Okay, cool. Now, switching over a little bit to astrology, I want to ask you, first off, everyone here knows what astrology is, but I want to know in your opinion, what do you think are maybe a couple of the biggest misconceptions around astrology that people have today.
2: Sure. And just in case anyone doesn't know what astrology is, I refer to it as a language, a, an art, and a symbolic science and basically a perceptive lens through which we're able to experience ourselves and experience the world, see ourselves and see the world. Um, and some misconceptions around astrology, some of the biggest ones have to do with what I term sun sign astrology, which is what you can often find in the newspaper where if you're a Leo, read this, if you're a Virgo, read this, and it's just a little paragraph. and. Um, sometimes I hear from people, they're like, I'm a Leo, but I don't resonate with anything (laughs) that I see about (laughs) Leo's and I don't resonate with anything that I see in the paper. That's about the Leo stuff. And what I say about that is that that's just where the sun was at the moment of your birth. Okay. So that's sun sign astrology. But what I do as an astrologer, when I read your birth chart is I look at a map of the whole sky in relationship to exactly where you were on Earth at the precise moment of your birth. So the sun is one out of, uh, let's see, like 28 bodies that I use when I'm looking at a chart. So looking at astrology through the lens of, I'm a Leo, if that's your sun sign, is basically like identifying with the tip of your pinky finger, (laughs) Mm. when there's so much else. Of course, the sun sign is an important part, but there's so much else going on. And it's a much larger view, and there's a whole grand scheme that's going on. Another thing that I see that is a common misconception is um, so I've done readings for twins, for example, like identical qu- twins. And there's always this interesting question of, I, I have the same birthday as my twin or I have the same birthday as my friend and we were only born a couple hours apart, but we're really different. So how do you explain that? And what I see is that the chart is like a structure for a soul light. And the soul light is unique. So your spirit, every person's spirit is a unique soul light. And the structure of the chart is like a prism through which that soul light gets refracted. So even if two people have the same birthday, same birth time, everything, um, they're not going to be exactly the same because they have a unique soul. There probably will be some similarities, and one way that that would show up is these people might look at significant dates in their life, like, wow, something was really up for me in 2012, and if somebody else had the same birthday and birth time as them, they might also have a significant event around 2012, but they'll never have the same exact experience just because their chart looks similar, because there's a unique self-imprint that's involved as well.
0: Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Another question that came to my mind when you were talking about this is, I was once talking to someone about astrology and they said, yeah, well, I don't think that's, I just think it is whatever you make it to be. Because whenever I look and I read about all these different signs and charts, I think, oh, yeah, that looks like me. Oh, that looks like me. That's like me too. What do you say when people say that, when there's pieces you can pull from, everything from all the different signs, because when I think about it, I'm like, well, sure, that makes sense because we're not one-dimensional creatures. But uh, what would be your answer to something like that?
2: My answer would be that that person is a novice intuitive astrologer.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so, so the reason I say that is because um, the way that the Zodiac archetypes are set up is that and so what I'm talking about when I say the Zodiac archetypes are Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, etc., um, through all the 12, what we call signs is that they, they represent universal archetypal forces. So when we look at a chart, it's like, we all have these archetypes in our chart. Some of us happen to have a lot of planets in one, two, three, four archetypes and like no planets in other archetypes. So there's an emphasis for those people on certain ones where they might read something and be like, okay, I definitely identify with this over here more than this. And there might be a lower resonance because they don't have any planets in that area. However, like, yes, exactly. We're all, um, sprouted from the same fundamental life force energy, the same consciousness energy. We all have seeds of everything within us. But astrology just gives us a map through which we can interface with that undifferentiated energy. Does that make sense?
0: total sense i love that i just got to figure out how i can maybe what i'll do is i'll just send this podcast to whoever says that to me because i'm not sure how i would explain that
2: well another way that i'll say it is um so like i said astrology is a lens through which we view interface with and understand our experience Mm. so with um someone who's making that argument of oh it could just apply to anything it's like Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and empowering the viewer to be in governance of their lens. That is where we create a connection point so that we can start to engage with our life from a conscious perspective.
1: Mm.
2: So, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that argument because it's so true and it's actually really at the, at a fundamental level. It's what I do where, you know, I sit with a client and one thing I wanted to share with you is more often than not what I find is that the client is just verbatim telling me their chart and they don't know anything about astrology, (laughs) but because I'm familiar with the symbols, I'm hearing it through them, you know. And I'll show this to you, Maddie. <laughs> some things that I heard from you. You're like, I was on the go. I was busy. I've been in this masculine-driven, oriented, structured, perfectionist state. And it's like, yeah, totally. Three planets and rising in Virgo. <laughs> like that's what Virgo is all about. <laughs> is this drive? Is this workaholism? Is, um, you know, really leaning into how do I perfect this skill? and keep getting better and better. And then you said, and then I discovered that I have an avenue of play, which is your son Jupiter Chiron in Leo, which is like, yeah, so Virgo wants to get the job done, but Leo just wants to have fun. And in order for you to be balanced in who you are, Maddie, like all of these elements of your chart and, the, and yourself need to get airtime they all need to get interfaced with, they all need to get expressed. Does that make sense?
0: This is so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's really (laughs) interesting because, so I don't know, first off, I don't know what a rising sign is, so I'm excited to hear what that is. That was one of my questions is like, what is a rising sign? And I find it fascinating that you're bringing in Virgo into this because whenever I talk about my drive and my go, 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 I always say, oh, that's the Leo in me that's always my Leo, my like, you know, roaring, courageous, proactiveness. But it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you, that's the the playfulness is more on the side of Leo. And I'm sure there is some proactiveness in the Leo, but it's a lot, that's where my play comes from, which I didn't even know.
2: Absolutely. So, and that's where you have to start taking the whole chart and the whole picture into consideration. That's why it's so important. So a rising sign is the zodiac constellation sign that was on the horizon line at the moment of your birth. So that's the term for that. And that sort of um, rules a sense of self. I won't get into the definition of that. But when I look at your chart, Maddie, and is it okay if we move into that discussion a little bit now? Yeah,
0: let's do it.
2: So when I look at your chart, I see that you're pretty much all earth and fire. <laughs> <laughs> like you've got so much earth and so much fire. And what I heard you say is like, wow, I felt like that go, go, go. And that entrepreneurial drive is very Leo. And it's like, yeah, it is. But if it was only Leo, um, you'd be like a face and a figurehead and maybe not much else. Like you might not be able to get the um, on the ground work and the tasks done if it was just the creative, shiny, optimistic, fun loving sense of self part. Does that make sense? So all the Virgo in your chart, which is four major points, that's a lot of Virgo, really helps you to do the tasks. And um, all this stuff is anchored right between where Leo and Virgo meet. And what that's about is... Where, where Leo is, is what we just enjoy. What brings us pleasure? What do we genuinely just love? And what is um, something that we do out of an act of self-love? And then Virgo is, okay, well, how do I take all that pleasure and that enjoyment and make it work? Not only for me, but as an act of service to others, as an act of service to humanity. Okay. Okay. So for you, your life is very much about this, that interplay and this balance between, um, your love and your joy and your just radiant, fun loving warmth and like putting that into practical form that can actually be of service and of use to others. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. That's amazing. This is so cool. Okay, what else? (laughs) Tell me more.
2: (laughs) Well, there's so much, but your chart is relatively simple. Um, Like I said, it's all earth and fire, and there is a little bit of water and a little bit of air as well, but the emphasis is really on earth and fire. And so fire, when there's a strong fire emphasis in a chart, that's the realm of Spirit. So that's creativity, that's passion, that's um, vitality. So when people have a lot of fire in their charts, they just tend to be an energetic energetic people. <laughs> like they've got a lot of fuel to burn. Um, and then earth is ideal with matter. I deal with material. So for you, it's like you deal with structure. You deal with foundation. You deal with tasks and to-do lists, you know. So some people with a lot of earth in their chart, they're bankers, they're builders, they're business owners like brick-and-mortar business owners um, because they're just really familiar with the material realm and they're adept with that realm. And so you definitely have some level of adeptness with the material realm when I look at your chart. However, for you, it's less brick and mortar and it's more about the body, um, and potentially like food, nutrition. It's about the body-mind connection. And it's also about like, what are you devoted to? What are you dedicated to? What are your disciplines? And you're really motivated also, Maddie, by learning is what I see here. So you're relatively, um, studious but not necessarily in I'm studying this kind of way more in like I'm just going to get out in the field and do it and learn about it through experience and through my body and through exploration and through adventure and then I'm going to break down into steps what it is that I learned <laughs> <laughs> so that other people can practically oh, access is this, this embodied information
0: oh my gosh so is that that's more of the what you just now said that's more of the earth and the virgo that actual implementation and the sharing and the learning exactly
2: the implementation and acting as a guide and a servant um of devotion towards others that's the virgo element but you do have a lot of capricorn as well maddie so there's like there's this leo emphasis and this capricorn emphasis in your chart and when i've seen that um the clients that I have with this combination, they're almost always creative entrepreneurs. Like one is a, an, a self-made artist who leads art groups and leads art retreats. And that's her Leo Capricorn combination. And uh, another one has a similar job. So they're, they're self-made entrepreneurs in a creative field. So there is a lot of like go-getter in you. And I would assume that there's something of that in your parents too. Um when I look at this chart. And then you've got this beautiful Sagittarius moon, (laughs) which is all about, again, fun and this spirited thing. But that gives this other element of it of you're a seeker. So it's not just learning for the sake of learning or learning how to figure out how to do stuff, but you're seeking truth. You're seeking meaning. You're seeking a belief system that feels like home to you. And this is probably something you've been working on a lot lately, especially.
0: And why
2: lately? So that gets us into a discussion of transits. So what astrologers do is we read several different types of charts. So right now I've been talking about your birth chart, which is um, active throughout your whole life and it's where everything was at the moment of your birth. Transits incorporate where the heavenly bodies and the planets and the asteroids are right now in relationship to your chart. And so as the planets in the sky go around and stimulate your chart at different times, it brings up different themes that we're working with and different levels of evolution. So what I'm seeing is that Saturn has been hanging out over your moon, let's see, pretty much since since this winter. So since like last winter solstice or maybe January 2017, Saturn's been going back and forth over your moon. That can um, sometimes feel like a time of reflection. It can feel like a time of questioning. Um, It's a stripping away of the past and of habits that aren't serving you anymore. There could be a, a family thing that's coming up and going on for you or a home thing that's coming up. It's a great time to clear out the house actually. Great time to like, get rid of old writings or journals or things that feel like, um, represent a part of you that you're, you're just like, you know what, I'm older now and I don't want to take this forward anymore. And as Saturn gets ready to move into your fourth house, which it's in your fourth house now, um, it's really asking you to, to get anchored and to get rooted and to get grounded. So whatever you've been doing since January has been kind of cleaning out the past, cleaning out old habits and old self-orientations and getting you ready to really plant a deeper root, which you'll be um, experiencing for the next two years.
0: Wow. That's unbelievably spot on because there's so many things that you've been mentioning that I'm like, yes, here and here and here. And with my... Like With my belief system, I feel like especially the past few months, it has been a lot of uncovering and unraveling and diving deeper and questioning when things coming up, saying does this ring true to me anymore, and then when I decide no, I do release it in in the list format or in writing format, and it feels so darn good. Like It just feels like such a release, and also getting a lot more clear on how I want to show up in my business and in the world, and that's been... There have been shifts there over the past over the past year as of like right now, but more so since January because it is the beginning of the year and I set the intention in January to like make this the year of XYZ and I chose a certain, certain amount of things that I wanted to really focus on and they've been coming into action a lot. And I have felt super grounded in my home life ever since I got back from Europe, which that makes sense, but I felt more like not just oh, I'm glad to be home. I traveled for four weeks, but it was more like, okay, I'm very content with being home. Like, I don't want to be off and about a whole lot for the rest of the year. And I decided that in February. It was just very much like, I want the routine, I want the stability, and I want to feel super held and grounded and work on the emotional and internal state of my beliefs (laughs) than going around and seeing the world right now. So it's like really crazy that everything you're saying is like, Yep. Yep. But it's cool to hear it back reflected back to me because you make it nice and neat in this way where all this stuff is going on and I'm aware of it, but hearing it said back to me, it makes it so much more clear of what exactly is going on and why I'm feeling called to do certain things in my life.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Astrology is really, it's just a context, you know, and for me, I'm a very mental person. So Yes, I'm intuitive, um, and I'm very mental. <laughs> I'm very verbal. I have a lot of words. I have a lot of articulation. And um, the reason I say that is because for me to be able to really relax into my experience, I need to have an understanding of what's going on, you know, I need to have that context. So, That's why astrology for me has been such amazing medicine, where I can be feeling something or experiencing something, and if I don't feel like I have a logical or rational explanation for it, I can get really spun out, like, why am I feeling this way? What's going on? And then I'll look at my transits, and I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's what's going on. Like, That makes so much sense, and not only that, but once you get familiar with these energies, you can start to conscientiously work with and functionally utilize these energies. You know, so for you, Maddie, like, Um, if you had known about this transit ahead of time, then you could have maybe looked and been like, okay, you know what? In November and December, I think I need to slow down a little bit (laughs) because there's some renegotiation and process that's coming up or it might've been like, okay, I know I'm going to get really rooted. So I want to have a last hurrah and really travel and go all out before that happens. You know, and so to be able to like really give yourself permission to go with the flow of these natural energies that are at work,
0: it's kind of hilarious because that's exactly what ended up happening. I spent the fall time pretty much hibernating, and I had this trip planned for February, and I had wished so badly that I reversed it, and I had my trip at the end of the year, and then I spent um, a little more time like in December to myself, and then January. Uh, a little, like half of it to myself and then kickstarting with my business and like going full force. So like, that's exactly what ended up happening. I have, okay. So it's so funny. Okay. The million questions running through my head, but I know I to respect your time. So if I could just pick a couple last questions, I'd want to ask you, when people when whenever there are like astrology podcasts on and people are talking about the planets and what's happening the energies happening how seriously can you take that when it's not taking into account your personal birth chart when it's just talking about the energies because isn't it different for every single person depending on their birth chart so you can't just listen to Basic and, or, or I guess taking like your monthly forecast, saying like this is what's going on on this day, on this day, how, you know what I'm saying? How? how Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's really a both and is the answer to that question. So there are, um, these grander collective transits that we're always experiencing as a collective, you know? So, and I'm really passionate about the, the collective mind and collective evolution. So that's why my, my monthly forecast that I offer is really a look for the collective. Um So having that broader scope, it is really important, I think, to have that as as sort of a foundational tracking method. Um, And like you say, the ways that the collective transits are happening are unique for each individual. So having the frame and the lens of both Mm. is really important. So I'll give an example, like um, when is this when is this episode airing by the way? Probably, Can I ask that? probably
0: in like 4 weeks.
2: Got it. Okay. So this example is that throughout April we experienced this Venus retrograde period as a collective. And it was this pretty big um Reprogramming around relationships, around finances. So collectively we're all experiencing this like massive release and then an upgrade as Venus goes direct by the end of April, right? Mm-hmm. So if your listeners can think back in their lives to April of 2017, like what was happening? What were some of the bigger things that happened for you then? So that's what's going on a collective level. And then when I sit with individual clients, it's this opportunity to see how did that Venus retrograde come up for you? You know, and so for you, Maddie, like the Venus retrograde is happening right on your descendant. So you probably would have been through, going through a lot of memories about past relationships. And, um, finding the gems of, you know, what have I released and what am I continuing to release right now? That was a pattern in my, in my last relationship so that I can move forward differently in the new relationships that are presenting themselves to me.
0: This is crazy. This is crazy. I love (laughs) it though. But it's like, yes, (laughs) yes. And more. Yes. Like if you look at my, the podcast archives, of late, they've all been relationships. Like, the past four episodes have been around relationships. I don't think you knew that, but that's... No, and yeah, that's, that's
2: the past four episodes. That's, like, April, right? Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> they And w- w- I've been just recording a whole bunch about relationships, and I'm currently going through, like, a whole bunch of relationship stuff. That's great. And, uh, yeah, I just released a post about a relationship yesterday. Yeah, it's pretty
2: that's incredible. So yeah, so it's like you see that that's where it showed up for you in your charts. Um, but on the whole, like we're all going through some relationship and money and self worth karma right now, like a karmic cleansing, but, um, it just shows up differently for each individual. But so that's why I love, um, when people do offer the collective, Uh, podcasts or articles or things. I think it's a great way to track and touch base with what's going on. But having an individual session is um, it's when you can really take all that information and get it close to home and get it into a format where you can really practically use it to inform your experience.
0: So out of all of the people that I have come across that offer these types of things, for some for some ener- an energetical, energetically reason, I don't know what the word <laughs> is, energetic reason, I felt really connected to your work, the way you write, the way you present yourself. It's very authentic. So I recommend that my listeners come to you if they want to get something like this done for themselves, which speaking that I just had it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. So if they want to connect with you and have one of these done, where can they find you online?
2: Yeah, and we just scratched the surface,
0: too.
2: (laughs) And thank you so much for the recommendation and finding me. My website is my name, so it's virginiarosenberg.com. And um, I've got an online scheduler. I see clients all over the place over Skype, or FaceTime, as well as in person. And I live in Asheville, North Carolina, but I travel quite frequently. So people can book themselves in through my website, um, you can sign up through my mailing list there where I send out a small monthly forecast and then a link to, if you want to purchase a view or a month subscription or an annual subscription for my in depth monthly forecast, which is a big project and it's a lot of medicine and it's a great thing I do by the day transits. So you, if you're feeling something <laughs> and you're like, what's going on? Then I often turn to my own forecast and I'm like, oh yeah,
0: that's what's going on right now. <laughs> That's so great. I'm going to make sure that I have all of the links to that on the show notes for this. This is going to be episode 155. And let's do a quick fire round. You up for that? I'm up for it. All right. I'll just ask you a few. What are three words to describe you right now?
2: Mm. Maverick, impassioned, serene.
0: Ooh, I've never had anyone say any of those three words. I love that. Those are beautiful. If you could live anywhere in the world besides where you live, where would it be?
2: Mm, I don't have something jumping out that's an immediate place, but it would just be a place where me and my sweetie um, could thrive.
0: (laughs) Good answer. What did you eat for breakfast?
2: I had an avocado with some garlic and dill sauerkraut Yum! (laughs) and bulletproof coffee.
0: Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, if, if you had a perfect dinner party, who would be three people you would invite dead or alive? You can know them. You can not know them.
2: I don't know why, but Andy Warhol is coming to mind right now. I have no idea why, but I'm just going to honor that. Um, I would also love to invite a, a female Taoist alchemist scholar, um, historical, like specifically one that was unknown um, by the public would be awesome. And then I almost always say Audrey Lorde when I get asked this question because I'm just such a big fan of her work and her poetry and the consciousness that she's helped to infuse into um, literature and society.
0: What do you know for sure in life?
2: I know that you can trust life itself.
0: And last question, if you had a movie about your life, who would you cast to play the role of you?
2: Hmm. Well, she's passed away, but, and if she was an actress, I don't know if she would agree to it, but uh, Frida Kahlo.
0: (laughs) Mm, I don't think I know who that is.
2: Frida Kahlo is a a famous Mexican painter and artist.
0: (laughs) So why, why her? Does she look like you or did she act like you or do you just love her?
2: I love her, and I went to Mexico and visited her house last year, and I discovered that her father's ancestry is the same as my father's ancestry, um, but her mother was native Oaxacan, and I don't have uh, Oaxacan or Mexican ancestry, but I thought that was really interesting that we have the same um, paternal ancestry. And I do think that there's a little bit of a resemblance, but mostly she's just a badass female.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's such a good answer, and it's so unique. Virginia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been so fun, so cool. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while now, so just thank you from the bottom of my heart.
2: Thank you so much. I look forward to staying in touch.
0: Guys, if y'all want to book a session with Virginia, or if you just want to check out her monthly forecast, go head on over to the show notes for this. This is episode 155 with Virginia Rosenberg. I will see you guys next week. And until then, I hope you enjoy all the goodies that are happening in your life.